Welcome to PNR and This Old Marketing with Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose. Listen to Joe and Robert talk about the oldest marketing on the planet, storytelling, and how you can tell a better story to attract and retain customers. Be sure to subscribe to PNR via iTunes and check the contentmarketinginstitute.com site for the show notes. Enjoy! And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, happy holidays to all of you content marketers. I hope you're all getting ready for a wonderful and warm drink of eggnog. Welcome to episode five of This Old Marketing. Today is Sunday, December 15th, and I'm coming to you from the beautiful, sunny, 72-degree Santa Claus Central of Burbank, California, where I finally find myself at home for a change. Well, for the next few hours anyway, before I get on another plane. As always, I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Joe Polizzi, who is home, probably getting ready to head out to see the Browns play the Bears. Is that right, Joe? Are you are you getting ready for some football? Actually... We're not going today because my son has a basketball game and we can't make the Browns game. And I can't tell you that I'm really upset about not seeing. <laughs> not seeing. <laughs> yeah, right. there's, I mean, it's it's 20 degrees. It snowed most of the night last night. So I'm really not concerned about catching the end of the. I mean, you know, and that way I can see them lose in warmth at the, you know, I'll, I'll catch yes. the end of the, the TV. There side. you go. That's completely fine with me. Well, they took apart my Cowboys, so I couldn't be less interested. In oh, you talk about the Bears, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. do want to. Um, I think I have something content marketing related that we did this weekend. Uh, so yesterday, do you know the the group Straight No Chaser, the acapella group? Have you ever heard? Yes, of Yes, I do. Absolutely. Well, yes, I just love to tell their story. By the way, we saw them yesterday. Took the kids. We had my mom and dad. The whole family went to see Straight No Chaser. If you're not familiar with them, they're an acapella group of ten guys. And they were simply fantastic. I, I mean, for for the money, one of the best shows I've ever seen. But I don't think a lot of people know the story behind them. Basically, it's a group of uh, acapella singers from Indiana University. This is the late '90s. You know, they did their thing in Indiana University, and then they, in the late '90s, they went off on their own way, got nine to five jobs, and in 2007, one of the singers uploaded their uh, 12 Days of Christmas." to youtube so it's whatever it was 10 years old and they uploaded sure. the video and the song to youtube in 2007 in september 2007 and what i love about this it went viral and in january of 2008 atlantic records signed them to a deal so they were all wow. doing their own thing and then here they are <laughs> and they've got multiple hit records they've got you know folks like seal and paul mccartney uh on their album and and by the way, I, I can't recommend them enough. It was fantastic. But I just love the fact that you go in and they said, please take pictures. Please take videos. Please share our stuff. And they basically they took pictures of the audience and said, we're going to go back and post these on Facebook and please tag it. And I'm like, the ultimate in giving of their content to share that sort of grassroots marketing effort. I was just, I thought it was fantastic. That's wonderful. Well, you know, and it, what it does is it also tees up uh, as a little teaser here, my rant and rave this week. So, oh, good. Um, well, you leave us in suspense yeah. there. So, we'll, we'll <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful story. So, what do we have on so on track? In the news, let's take a look here. Well, the first story that uh, comes out of our good friends at Outbrain 
Um, and if you don't know Outbrain, what they do is they provide for uh, a way to sponsor sponsored content, really, where you know you see at the bottom of pages where if you like this, then you're going to like this kind of content related content. And they came out with a study, um, and it was really interesting to me. This new study, the headline reads: "Positive reviews improve brand perceptions." <laughs> and so I read that, and I go, "Yeah." And when you put sugar and butter and chocolate together in just the right mix, you get something tasty as well. So <laughs> I, you know, I, so I read a little deeper. It's because I, I, you know, I'm reading a little deeper, and and there was actually some interesting chunks I think in there. And specifically, what I thought was interesting was they looked at the consumer electronics industry as a as a specific example, and they and they talked about unaided brand recall. And what they were saying was is that positive reviews. They now have it sort of empirically. They've shown this empirically here that when you've got positive reviews and you promote positive reviews of your product or service, that the unaided brand recall is much higher. And in fact, for consumer electronics, it was 85% that saw a positive review versus only 42% that didn't. And I, I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, you know, ultimately this may be kind of a, yeah, duh, right? I mean, you get a positive review, people care about that but uh, you know I'm, I'm not sure what do you think about this well i think of course it feeds into outbrain's technology and by the way you know i'll let's look at the category right you've got outbrain tabula and relate discuss among among others that that have this recommendation sure, yeah. type content you can promote it here's what i i mean yeah i think it's no duh of course but what they're trying to promote and actually i think it makes a lot of sense if you see a very credible review on let's say it's on the new york times or or in your the leading trade magazine and they do a review of your product or by the way a piece of really good content that is shared on another platform or an interview with your ceo or chief marketing officer basically they're saying you could put some money behind it uh, give it a little bit more push on platforms and that's the thing that I don't think about, I guess I didn't think about is, wow, there's another review out there and I can actually put money behind somebody else's content to get that promoted out in other publisher sites. I mean, that's the thing that's like the aha moment for me is that it's not just your own content that you could put money behind. You could actually find other people's content where it mentions something that you really want to get out there, a key theme, a key issue. Uh, something that's important to your brand, a product or service, whatever, and put money behind that. And then I think that makes Outbrain study even stronger. That's what I took from it. I don't know if you see that benefit there. I, I do, for sure. Um, and what I'll, what, I'll, what I'll also say to this is that, you know, and here's my takeaway for, you know, businesses that are looking to sort of take something out of this. In addition to what you just said, which, is, which I think is absolutely accurate, that there's another thing about testimonials and reviews and those sorts of things, and this plays especially true to B2B businesses. One of, one of the things that I'll often hear is how do we get our customers to talk more? How do we get testimonials or how do I get those on the website because our customers can't for legal reasons or whatever they're doing? And one of the things that I'll suggest to get around that is I'll ask them, I'll say, well, can you just interview your customer? And have them talk about why it's so awesome to be them, you know, how they're great at their job or how they work for an awesome company or whatever. Just by the sheer fact that you put that interview on your website is almost a testimonial and almost a stronger testimonial than having them come out and sort of do a, you know, testimonial on your product or service. Because you're actually putting their story on your website. 
which is a wonderful thing. And then many times that doesn't have to be covered by legal and it doesn't have to go through any compliance thing or anything like that. You're just putting their story on your website mm-hmm. and people will make the association. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, I worked with the company, this is three years ago now, and they were basically saying, look, we don't have any content. And I said, well, you have salespeople, right? Oh yeah, how, how many sales calls do they make? Oh, they make, you know, but combination of our salespeople, they make hundreds of sales calls. I said, well, why don't you take a really interesting question and have your salespeople, you know, take their iPhone or, or take a, you know, take a video of them answering a key question in the industry. You got a great, you got your customer answering a great piece of content. I think that's what you're talking about, right? You're meeting with these customers all the time, get them talking about themselves. It's a win for you because of course they're, when they talk about themselves, they're talking about you. In a lot of cases, exactly. yeah, I think that, and and then you have you have built-in content. I guess there's content going on all around us, and it just depends on what we want to um, capture and then tell a story about it. Yeah, content marketing works. I guess is what. Is we're it, what is it? Is it? Is it? <laughs> what? I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up in the news, really interesting article. I think this was this may be my favorite article for this week, um, which was. It, it was an article that you forwarded to me, and it comes out of a site called TheMediaBriefing.com. And the title of it is, Are Brands and Publishers Moving from Partnership to Competition? And I think this is just fascinating. I mean, this is something you and I have been talking about for, you know, since we've known each other. Um, but, well, I mean, you, you know, so you forwarded me this thing. Yeah. What is your take well, on this thing? Well, it's funny because I guess this is our week of uh, no-duh type content because that's what I mean. Of course, But this is new to a lot of people, right? We've got to realize that even though we've been saying this forever, uh, this is new to a lot of people. So I think what's important about this is that this is, you know, Raju Narasetti, uh, who's vice president, senior vice president of strategy at News Corp. So, you know, pretty uh, influential company yeah. well, says, says say. look, our sponsors, our advertisers are competing with us and it's an issue. And goes on to say Red Bull, General Electric, IBM. They're com- and this is what's interesting. He's saying, he's admitting that they are creating amazing, compelling storytelling. And it is a key threat to us as a publisher because they can bypass us. They don't need to go through us right. anymore. And I guess I've got another take on it, but I just want to get your take on that. Is it, you agree with that, right? Is there, what's the thing out of this article that really hit you? Well, it's it you know to, to what it is is that it's a rallying call for publishers. I mean, and this is something that you and I have talked about a lot, which is publishers just there's there's a real advantage that publishers have over brands if you want to even look at it that way, which is, you know, we we often say that, you know, content marketing is about owning not renting the audience anymore and and all of that, and that's all true, but the advantage that publishers have, of course, is they've already aggregated that audience. And if there's any value to that audience, and in other words, if there's a value to their brand, brands are going to want to align with that. And there's a real there's a real strength there, I think. But it, what it means is is that publishers have to be really mm-hmm. good at what they do now. They've got to be providing wonderful, engaging, great content that keeps people coming back in a you know in a very focused way. You know, you talked about this last week when we talked about the Newsweek uh, thing, but. This is really the. This is really the. Ch- I mean, I think this is a shot across the bow for every publisher. Well, out Well, the there. one thing that and so I, I heard Scott McCafferty, my good friend, and he's CEO of a of a publication brand called Design World, and he did a great presentation at an event, and he basically said, "Look, I understand that my advertisers are a competition, 
and this is a you know tenuous business model at best. But what he said was, I have to have the best audience on the channels that we focus on. I have to have the best email list. I have to have the most engaged audience online. I have to have the best Facebook audience because if I don't, why the heck is anybody going to advertise with me? Exactly. He says, so right. we have that's to be exactly the best. Right. We have to have the best journalists. I mean, so that's I think that's your sort of call to arms. The one thing that I would disagree with this whole article, and I, I really can't believe he said it. I have to go to it first. Oh, so he says at the end of this article, it says, a very small number of brands are experimenting around storytelling and their own own publishing. And that's where <laughs> where he says, he says basically brands have an opportunity because, or um, I'm sorry, publishers have an opportunity because brands haven't really caught on to this yet. And I'm like, What? Like, where have you been living <laughs> at? Well, that's the rational, that's the juicy rationalization, right? I mean, you know, everybody needs at least one big juicy rationalization per day. Well, he got his quota in for sure. I'm, I, yeah, well, so. I'm like, I'm like, geez, I, like, do you know that every one of your uh, advertisers right now is not only experimenting, but putting exactly. together, trying to put together pretty robust programs around storytelling. And, <laughs> and you see, of course, brand newsrooms are catching on. And of course, the whole native advertising thing. And they're trying to figure out a better mousetrap for that. So I guess you're right. I mean, if you're in the publishing business, the business model itself, you're, it's sort of it's worrisome. I mean, that's our business model, right? We've got to have the most engaging platform, the most engaging community. But at the same time, look, you can't. I mean, brands are on this. They're, they're it's moving awfully fast. I mean, you and I talked the other day and said, I think this industry is a couple years ahead of where we thought it was going to be when we talked in 2010. I can't believe that's how right. fast well, it's moving. You know, it, it's you know I think there is a you know I mean it's stratified for sure right I mean there are a there are a very small number of brands and companies that truly quote unquote get it right now and are and that are that are executing on all twelve cylinders or however whatever metaphor you like there and there's a greater a much greater number that are just coming into their own in terms of being able to step on the gas and and really accelerate programs here and then there's I think to your point a smaller number who are still like why right you know are still trying to figure out that there's a justification for doing this i know man it's just i'm like i love that article i was reading through it i'm like oh great 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 i'm like oh you ruined (laughs) it for me why did you do that anyways let's get off of the great article we'll put it in the show notes what's next on the list well, we got uh, an interesting acquisition that oh. happened. So uh, our friends at Marketo uh, acquired a company called Insiterra. Um, and, you know, you all know who Marketo is. You may not know who Insiterra is. Um, yet another company coming out of Israel, which, I mean, it just seems like there are oh my so gosh. many startups coming out of Israel. Unbelievable. Yeah. The incubators they yeah. have in Israel around content marketing it's, stuff. It's, yeah. really, it's really, really quite amazing uh, what they're doing over there. And so Insiterra provides uh, personalization uh, and really the ability for marketers to target content to very specific individuals and or, you know, persona type groups. And it's a it makes sense for me. I mean, you know, when I look at that acquisition, I go, okay, that makes sense, especially with the money they paid for it, um, because I went and looked at how much money Insiterra has taken, and I see that they took almost seven million bucks, and it looks like the acquisition was for around twenty. And so I get it. I, I totally get it as a as a, as an acquisition. It was something that you know they've been part of the Marketo uh, ecosystem for some time and have been providing sort of partner-related services. Two things strike me for this is, is one, I will tell you that, you know, 85 to 90% of the businesses that we work with that have Marketo implemented are really not using Marketo to its full 
capabilities. I mean, most people are still using marketing automation. This isn't Marketo specific, by the way. This is most marketing automation systems. Most of them are using them as spam guns. And so this idea that now all of a sudden there's this other set of functionality, predictive analytics and all the stuff that came out in the, the press release, you know, I think it's sexy and I think it demos well and I think it's good for Marketo ultimately to show all of this stuff off. But they've got to figure out a way to sort of make this stuff applicable to rank and file marketers because most rank and file marketers, quite frankly, don't understand and don't how to don't know how to use use this stuff yet. So I mean, so ultimately my take here is this is a good acquisition for Marketo. I still don't understand why they haven't taken a web content management solution yet. Um, and I'm not sure that this gives them any more capabilities than some of the suites that are out there, the Adobe's and the Sitecores and some of them that are out there. But um, this is a, ultimately a step in the right direction, I think, for them. Well, I guess my take is um, when, I, when I saw this, and, and by the way, I mean, of course, you've got the whole you know, compendium oracle thing. You've got – I mean, right, it's, exactly. this, is, this is on and on. I guess the takeaway for me is that 2014 is going to be a year of companies just building their market share – around the content marketing industry and just trying to take as many of these smaller acquisitions as possible. Uh, you're see, I, I think what you're seeing is, of course, we see what Salesforce has done, right? I think what you're, try, what you're gonna see is HubSpot's trying to do the same thing. They're just building yeah. on and adding on all these little things to become this monolithic <laughs> structure of we can do everything. But you're right, what's the deal with the CMS side? I mean, like literally, literally, you say this every time. Are they not? I know. Are, are I mean, we talk to VC companies all the time too. What's the deal? Why? Why are they missing? Well, the, why are they missing the gap between this, the the content management system? Add on. Don't I don't get it. And you know, it was it was it was, it, well, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, it was the reason that Compendium was acquired by Oracle, because Eloqua doesn't have this. And of course, Oracle does have web content management as part of its core stack for the marketer um, and have had it for some time. But what they didn't have was something lightweight that could be used um, to basically wedge their way into customers to give them something lightweight to set up, you know, whether it's a blogging platform or something lightweight for microsites, et cetera, et cetera, which works extraordinarily well with an eloquent type of setup. Why Marketo hasn't done this yet or why Salesforce hasn't done this yet or quite frankly, why SAP hasn't done this yet is it just strikes me as in or by the way why one of the cms companies hasn't really acquired a marketing automation company yet i think most of them are too big now other than adobe when they acquired neolane um anyway i'll get off on a rant here but 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 basically yeah it's just it, it it's 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 baffling to me why this hasn't come together more i think quickly. you're okay to get off on a rant i think that's <laughs> part of the show is you you're supposed to be ranting i get my- <laughs> well i don't want to get all techie techie well, techie here but you know that's that's you know that's that's it's 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 just fascinating why don't we move on we'll move on to the next news article because this one is also a really interesting one that you forwarded over to me this one actually comes from our own property chief content officer um, and is ultimately also live on the uh, on the website and we'll of course put a link in the show notes and this was Kirk Schaffitz's article on how agencies really just aren't you know doing the I mean talk about shot across as the bow you know this is this is how how advertising I, his quote in here was was really interesting to me how he teed up this article where he said to wrest advertising from the cold dead hands of traditional agencies the content industry is going to have to master and improve some basic brand management skills including branding strategic planning media planning and measurement and that to me is just it is it it, it, it 
it's just so right on. I mean, it's I, I could not agree with that. Well, more. Kirk, um, if you if you don't know Kirk from from the CEO of Story Worldwide, he's been a leading thought leader for a long time. I mean, I remember I first had lunch with him about ten years ago, and I was just blown away by the knowledge. I mean, he really sees both sides. And as I was reading this article, Robert, the one thing that I got, and actually you'll see it in the comments, and we'll put it in the show notes, but the comments. Uh, to the article on the Content Marketing Institute site are really interesting because there's a lot of so-called inbound marketing agencies that are responding and saying, oh my gosh, I was a traditional agency and then I drank the inbound uh, Kool-Aid and I went all inbound and I realized it's not either or. <laughs> it's a combination right. of the skills of both. And here's the one I wanted to pull out that I think is a really important takeaway. So for those of you people listening to this, either agency side or brands looking for agencies, sort of a core competence, yes, you need to have somebody that understands your brand narrative, that understands how to tell stories through multiple channels. But the one thing, and you just pointed this out, which is critical, and I think we forget this on the content marketing agency side, he says you still need um, an expertise level that understands media planning and buying so that... When you get your content branding up and running and you understand your narrative and you understand the channels, you need to quickly move that into areas where you can get attention quickly so that you can build an audience and keep an audience as quickly as possible. Where I think that's where a lot of us miss it, right? We, we don't understand that content uh, to really, and he calls it content advertising. He thinks it's going to be content advertising agency is going to be the term. Frankly, we don't care, right? It's just an interest yeah, it's I, an interesting yeah. take, but he says you well, have to understand both content and advertising to get this thing to work. Anybody who's actually ever attended one of our workshops or one of our master classes knows this and they're going to recognize this right away. I mean, it's probably the third slide into what I what I what I say which is content marketing isn't separate from your advertising, from your PR, from your SEO, from anything that you're doing from a marketing and advertising perspective. It gets infused into all of those things. And he has said very elegantly what, you know, I usually take a couple of slides to say, which is basically, this isn't separate. You have to manage this as a process. It is an approach that gets infused into everything you're doing. I would love to see brands as they're looking, and we see it all the time, right? And we get requisitions and requests that says, hey, can I need a content marketing agency and maybe it's a, we want an agency that understands um, content is, is another, I mean, is that what you would look at it that way? Yeah, it's exactly yeah. right. You know, you, well, you either want an agency who really understands and knows how to integrate content and content marketing specifically, or you want, you know, and whether you call it a content advertising agency or a content marketing agency that understands marketing and advertising, right? I mean, you know, classic marketing and advertising because they, they work together. It is, it is about working together. Well, I think the one thing, and I'm going to give a shout out to Kirk and Story Worldwide on this one, just because of the fact that as far as I know, and maybe you know of a different example, but they're, uh, they were the agency of record for the Jolly Green Giant brand. And oh, wow. as far as I know, they're the first or one of the only uh, content-focused, brand storytelling-focused agencies that, have, that are also an agency of record. That's a big deal. And I think that that's ultimately what, what you're going to see. But I think the reason why Story got that role was because they also understand the role that advertising and traditional marketing play in storytelling. Yeah, yeah they absolutely do. Well, speaking of traditional marketing and advertising, it's now time for our traditional marketing and advertising. We have a sponsor. We have a wonderful sponsor this week. Well, Who our sponsor it, this week, uh, we're going to 
uh, put a little bit of promotion behind Content Tech. And Content Tech, if you're not familiar with it, it's the full all-day event online only about content marketing technology. What's great about Content Tech, Robert, is that you can be from, you can listen to all these from your office, from anywhere around the world, all in one day, which will be February 26th, 2014. And they're going to look at basically the range of what's going on in content marketing technology. It's funny, Robert, because we didn't even plan this whole thing. And you talked about, you know, our, our third story, third story was about the whole Marketo purchase and talking about content marketing technology. We get a lot of requests on that. So I think the fact that there's an event dedicated to that, I think it's really important. So if you're sort of trying to navigate your way through the content marketing technology landscape, you have to attend this event. Let me give you a short link here. Go to bit.ly.com slash ct-pnr. That's bit.ly.com slash ct-pnr. For all the details, there'll be about seven or eight sessions during the day, lots of chances to network online. Uh, Kathy Button-Bell, who's the chief marketing officer from Emerson, will be speaking. She's fantastic. Oh, oh, I love her. She's absolutely fantastic. Uh, we've got a number of the leading technology uh, players as well that will be presenting, so look out for that. And, uh, and, I, and I think there's one Mr. Robert Rose presenting. I'm not sure. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to do – well, we can't do a content marketing technology event without having Robert Rose involved in that. So that's our, our, I will. our sponsor for the week. I am excited about that because it is the first chance I'm going to get, and it will actually be probably the debut of us presenting the full technology landscape uh, of content marketing. We've been working for, well, six months on the first three reports covering a, a large swath of the content marketing technology space, and by the time this rolls around, we will have finished the, the last two um, and it will be we'll, we're going to present a, a large infographic there that will uh, you know really hopefully cover off a big piece of where marketing or content marketing technology lies. So I'm I'm really excited well, about. What well, we're thank talking. God because I'm so tired of you sending me the, sending me these lunascapes from other companies and saying <laughs> this is horrible. Exactly. This is the worst thing yeah. I've ever seen. So you're, we're going to get <laughs> well. a Robert approved. Lunascape, let's say, or whatever. Good. So I'm looking yeah, forward to that. Well, it's yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Well, speaking of that, it is uh, it is time for one of our favorite parts of this show, which is of course our rants and rave section, where Joe and I go off a little bit on either a rant or a rave about things that are exciting us uh, about the content marketing space. And I'm going to tee this up uh, first of all, and I'm going to I'm going to do a rave oh, this wait. week. And are seriously, what? let's stop the press. Yes, I am. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm going was, to do a rave all, this week. Well, you had a couple rants in here today, so we'll, let's take a rave yeah. now. <laughs> exactly. So my rave this week is, and this ties right into what you talked about at the top of the show with uh, with with the uh, with the musical group, because I'm going to talk about entertainment marketing here, and it's usually crappy. It is usually entertainment marketing has, you know, as we all know, has just really has really suffered of late, and two campaigns. Specifically, Anchorman 2 for the movie and what Beyonce did this week with dropping her album um, with absolutely no forewarning, no leaks, et cetera, et cetera. And as someone very, I think, very appropriately said, this was not not a marketing campaign, but it was more a marketing bomb that what Beyonce did. And what Anchorman has done with the way they have integrated the characters and content of that uh, story into the media – to get and the, the way that both of these things are so different from each other, but yet have innovated so wonderfully, 
you know, Anchorman, I don't, if you haven't seen it, just go out and look at YouTube. I mean, basically, Ron Burgundy was on at least 10 or 12 local newscasts as a guest anchor as well as how many local events. He was out at a curling event up north. He was at some other sports event where he was actually uh, uh, commentating on the, on the sports event. And then with what Beyonce did with this week with, you know, and whether you like the music or not, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. But just the marketing innovation here with actually doing what she did, dropping the entire album plus 17 videos all at one time. I mean, the entire internet is talking about what she did here so it's just it's just an absolutely delightful thing to see where sitting here in hollywood watching these guys just innovate the way that entertainment platforms so basically she took the netflix house of cards type model of you know putting all the episodes out at one time and did the same thing with the videos instead of leaking out a video one at a time type of thing well, not only that, but she just dropped the entire. I mean, it, the whole thing. Yeah, nobody knew that, about it, right? Yeah. It was just like nobody, hey. knew, and there were no yeah. leaks. There were no leaks. I mean, that was the amazing thing here. It's usually there's a you know, I mean, there were kind of rumors that she was working on an album, but but there was absolutely nothing leading up to this. So it really, I mean, and and what it looks like. I mean, let's be honest here. Behind the scenes, if we're all marketers and we're sort of like peeling back the covers and looking behind the scenes, yeah, the record company knew about this. They all knew about this. They knew how it was going to go. They knew the execution. They had it. This was planned for months and months, if not a year, in terms of how this was going to go down. Maybe the date wasn't planned, but they knew this was all going to happen. This wasn't just ad hoc, like throw it against the wall. This was well executed military precision of how they got well, this I didn't done. even actually, I, I've been a sort of out of the loop <laughs> a little bit on that, <laughs> but I went to iTunes this morning, of course, to check our podcast ratings, which, by the way, are doing very well. And uh, <laughs> and she's all over. She's on the homepage of iTunes. It's everything. Absolutely. I'm like, wow. So it must have been awfully. How did they keep it a secret? Um, I have no idea. I have uh, no idea how they kept it a secret, well especially with as many people as are involved with. I mean, think about the number of people that are involved in shooting a video, um, much less 17 of them, plus producing an album of this, you know, of this caliber. It's just it's just amazing. And then to have the guts to go and just basically do a big bang release like this is just it's just amazing. I mean it's we'll see how long the narrative takes and we'll see how the album does, but it's yet, you know, when, once you think that there can be no more innovation, then something like this well, happens and it just it just shows me that it's just it's possible. I, I guess I'm thinking for everyone listening, what's the takeaway? The takeaway is there's really no silver bullet to this thing, right? I mean That's right, exactly right. And it's just and it's trying new things, right? I mean the wonderful thing here is is that Every you know, and I've done a little work in in the music business here in L.A. for you know, goodness gracious, a, a good many years, and so I know how record companies think, and I know how the industry thinks, and I have to imagine this was hard for them to do because the record business just doesn't think like this. I mean, they they really really don't, and so to, for them to be able to pull this off and to have it succeed like it did. You know, when people come up to me all the time and they say, ah, this is, you know, doing innovation in our company is really hard because they just don't know if it's going to work. There was no ROI here. I mean, there was no like, well, prove it's going to have ROI before we yeah. do this thing. They just did it. I mean, and and boy, boy, did they do it well. Hats, hats off to them. Absolutely. Well, my yeah. my I have if you if you don't mind, Robert, I have a quick, quick rave and then a rant. If oh, that's excellent. OK, the right. rave. And this is this will yeah. take no time at all because we've been talking about it. But I'm in the car. Um, and I listen to a m bunch of different radio stations. I still listen to radio, believe it or not. So I'm driving in the car. I listen to different radio stations. You're the one. I'm the one. 
on two different occasions, two different stations, I listened to an ad from American Express Open Forum promoting their content platform, openforum.com, to subscribe. Yeah. I just thought that – I mean, I'm just thinking about that. We just talked about the idea of integrating – How do you infuse it in? Right. Yeah, And I'm like, wow, they're not saying go sign up for the American Express uh, Open Card. They're saying we have a community of small business owners and entrepreneurs that are here uh, with some amazing expertise that can help you uh, grow a better business or whatever the case is. And they said, join Open Forum. I just was like, wow, cool, man. It's, I, you know, good for them. That's a rave for them yep. just to, to do that model. Absolutely. My right. rant is, you know, it's funny, the whole no silver bullet thing to this content thing. And you and I, we've had many discussions about a few uh, – you know, I guess so-called experts in the industry that will be saying, look, there's only one way to do this right now, and it's to cut your content up into a million different pieces and have it be like grains of sand and all these social media platforms. And that's, you know, that's, the, and you've got to have as much content out there as possible in as many different channels as possible. And of course, that's one way to go about it. And we're not saying that it's wrong, but we're, I guess what I'm saying is it's not the only way to go about it. And I'm writing an article, my next uh, LinkedIn post that I'm writing, and I've, and I've just finished it, and I'll post it this week. But I was doing some research on the greatest media brands of all time. Just, and just think about this. Think about, like, Wall Street Journal. Think about uh, ESPN, uh, the magazine. Uh, think about, uh, you know, NBC. Think, think about the greatest media brands that you can think of for all time. And the one thing I noticed coming up over and over is I did this research into different. I looked at B2B brands. I looked at B2C brands. They started by delivering content consistently in one channel and owning one channel. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, and I was trying to find a loophole in it, and I couldn't find one. I'm like, oh, ESPN? Well, they dominated um, cable television first, and then they went into ESPN radio, and then they did ESPN2, and then they did all kinds of stuff, right? But they, do, they, were, they were the clear leader in one. State Wall Street Journal. Yeah, they have, you know, 64 million impressions all over the web now, but at one time it was just this print magazine. And I know channels were different, but I really do st- still think that model works today. And I guess my takeaway here, my, my rant against some of this expert opinion <laughs> is, is that maybe the answer is are less channels and really focus quality content on one channel and really becoming the de facto leader in that channel. And then once you have that, oh, the other one was Huffington Post. Look at Huffington Post. Yeah. They really focused on building a, a community on one channel, and then they've expanded into print and multiple channels and events and everything else they're doing. So I guess I would say is look at how a content brand works first before you say, oh, i got to do a podcast and i got to be on Facebook and Twitter and everything else at one time. And I, I guess I would contend and say, no, you don't. You need to focus on consistently delivering in one channel where your customers are at, build that community, build that audience, and then expand out. Expand. So yeah, that's, that's, exactly my, right. that's my rant and rave for the weekend. I'm all over this one. You it. will hear more about this one channel thing because I think there's a movement in 2014 about the less is more, and I think that there is a definite business model when it comes to content marketing around that. Absolutely. One channel to rule. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, to the, I actually saw The Hobbit over the weekend, but we'll, we'll forget yeah. that one for now. <laughs> well, we actually have uh, a wonderful Q&A questions and answers. Oh, we do. Uh, on, our, on our Twitter channel. We do indeed. And you, I know you have it up on your screen. So what, what is the question that we got oh, this week? Absolutely. This is from um, McWilliam Park Hotel. So thank you. 
Uh, I don't know where that's at. We'll have to do some research on that as being one of our initial questions here. Ask you, Robert, how can a small business create super marketing campaigns that go viral? <laughs> I'm just going to let you answer this. By the way, thanks. Before you totally wreck them, I want to say thanks for the. We'll get back to them in, in person and thank them for the. I am absolutely go, not going to yeah. wreck them. I think that's a wonderful question. I mean, I think it. I, I mean, I'm wondering how how specifically uh, it was worded on purpose. Um, you know, if if I had the answer to how to create super marketing campaigns that go viral, I don't think I'd be on this podcast. I'd probably be on a beach yeah, somewhere. Um, here, I mean, it's, so in all seriousness, though, I think the 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 first thing is is I, I sort of differ with the premise of the question, which is you should not have going viral as a goal. I mean, viral is a result, not a goal. It, it, it is it is something that what I what I want you to focus on is instead how can you be meaningful and create uh, really meaningful, whether it's marketing or content marketing, how do you create meaningful and meaning for the audience that you're trying to address. You know, I mean, I've, I've seen it so many times where a, a small business or a local business, a locally focused business, which I'm going to assume that you are and that mm-hmm. you're a hotel, and you're, you're trying to focus to a very specific crowd coming to a very specific location, it doesn't matter if you go viral. I mean, it doesn't really matter because trying to, you know, at, at a certain point, a number of those impressions or engagement or whatever is going to be a waste for you. And so what is important is, is that you're remarkable to the audience that you need to be remarkable to. It is not important for you to go viral. It is important for you to have a quality audience. I mean, just to what exactly what Joe was talking about uh, a few minutes ago, which is it is important for you to have a quality audience and a, and a, and a very specific and focused audience that ultimately is changed or enhanced their behavior because of the content that you're producing. And so how do you do that? I mean, well, I mean, you know, this is this is what this is all about. This is what CMI is all about. The various, you know, there are books <laughs> that I might recommend. But other than that, it is what I would do is focus really on being remarkable to the audience, you know, understand the audience that you're trying to attract and why you're trying to attract them and then do that. Just do that. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about it often. I mean, if viral is something you want, viral happens after a thousand pieces of consistent content in some cases. Yeah. And, but, but your point is really, well, it, it's a great point when you look at this as a hotel. This is a small business hotel. What the heck do they want? They don't want to go viral. They don't need seven million. No. You know, they, need, they might need seven or 70 of the right people. That's right. Uh, That's not, exactly not, right. Not seven million to go viral. So I, my advice to that would be make sure you're filling a need with your content. Be incredibly consistent with that. Focus on the right channels. Act like a human. So who's ever creating the content for your hotel, make sure that it's written in a matter that's not robotic and sales salesy type of content and have a point of view. I mean, our friend Doug Kessler at Velocity Partners says this all the time. You can't be vanilla and make this thing work today. You've got to, I think you've got to take a stance with your content to re- be really interesting. So that would be my suggestion. That's exactly right. Speaking of classic content, the theme of this show, of course, is this old marketing and storytelling. And I know you've got a wonderful and example. I got a week. great example this week, Robert. I was thinking about what to cover. And even though this is only back from 2007, I think it's probably the most well-known 
uh, content marketing program on the face of the earth, but I don't think people know the details behind it. So let's go through a little bit mm-hmm. of, of this. Red Bull... Six years yeah, is an eternity exactly. in this business. <laughs> well, that's like 600 <laughs> internet <laughs> years, right? <laughs> so uh, Red Bull Media House. So Red Bull, you know, the energy drink and whatever, and, and they've done some amazing things. And, you know, we've got the Space Jump uh, guy and, and Stratos was, was a, you know amazing part of the Red Bull Media House initiative. But there's a couple parts of this that I think is critically important to understand. First of all, they've been doing this for six years, and it is a consistent strategy. This is not a campaign. This is an actual entire initiative within Red Bull that they, their mission here is to, fa- they say, we're on a mission to fascinate. And what's really amazing with their whole, yeah, I mean, isn't that something that that's their mission? I love and, that. And here's what they, I'm reading this right out of their about site. So they were launched in 2007, has become one of the world's leading media companies. I'm, let's stop wow. right there. I love that. I know. I love isn't, that. Isn't that something? One of the world's leading media companies for creating premium content. They have a wide variety of channels and products, but there's a couple that I'm going to point out kind of playing on the music play. Do you know that they fund uh, entrepreneurial independent artists? I yeah. do. So you, I of do course, know that. you know yeah. that. Most of everybody else, what, and what they do and how they make money off it. Of course, they they sponsor those people. They they carry their messages to the kind of groups that, that with the music that they think that would be a following to Red Bull customers. But they also license that content and they make money off of the music rights off of those independent artists. It's actually a profit center. For them. I don't think a lot of people I, understood that. And the other thing is they have something called Red Bull Content Pool, that they have 50,000 images and 5,000 videos that they actually have meet. This is what I love. They have media companies, traditional media companies, that contact Red Bull to license Red Bull content so that they can promote it on their media chat, other you know outside media channels. Isn't that the most brilliant thing? It's <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's just so delightful. And by the way, I think this is, you know, this may be a little forward-leaning, but I think this is a real trend. You know, one of the things that I, when I talked to Jonathan Mildenhall over at Coca-Cola, he, you know, one of the things that we talked about, and I actually asked him about this. I said, how long do you think it is before you start creating content that is really based on a profit center, not just a marketing cost? And he said, you know, I could do it today. He said, we haven't figured out how to do it from a legal standpoint and from a business model standpoint. He said, but I could do it today. He said, when we went down and created all of that content that we did for the World Cup, he said, I shot enough video that I could do a two-and-a-half-hour doc- documentary on the World Cup and have it be really interesting. He said, and I could license that out to HBO or Showtime or ESPN or somebody that wanted to do a two-hour documentary on the World Cup, and I could, I could make money off that today. Mm-hmm. And that's I, I a guess really the, interesting thing down, the, you know. No, no, you're right. I guess, I guess what I would say to this is this is the type of aspiration. I think, of course, Red Bull has a different kind of budget uh, oh, landscape. But, but look at it from where you are in your small niche or your mid-market niche or whatever. When you create content that's better in the niche and serves a community better than anyone else, it opens up the possibility for so many business media models from a partnership standpoint. Let's look at it. Take away the fact that they make money off of the majority of this. Let's just say that they could save money because instead of uh, them actually paying for sponsorships, they would have media companies and traditional media companies coming to them and saying, look, Red Bull, we want your uh, audience and we will 
uh, let you in for free into this whole venue that you'd normally pay a million dollars or two million for because you have an audience. And we do that with Content Marketing World, our big event. That's we will right. let people exactly into right. our brand because they have an audience. If you have an audience and you build an audience, the flexibility that you can have from a content marketing standpoint is infinite. So I guess that's what I would say. When you build an audience through amazing content, you can do epic things. That is the that is well said, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna have that be the last word there because the, uh, doing epic things is, is <laughs> amen, the, brother is the is the key there. Um, okay, uh, final final thoughts. Where are you gonna be? I mean, you're, this is the holidays, right? So you stay. This is home? the holidays. We're working on. Uh, actually, it's funny. I just hit my my one K status on United, and I'm gonna shut it down for three weeks uh, and and start working on some planning for 2014. But I hear uh, you're going abroad here, correct? I am. I leave later this afternoon. In fact, I fly to Stockholm. I, uh, I sadly or gladly, one of the two, I'm not quite sure, hit my executive platinum status uh, on American uh, back in November. So, uh, it, yeah, it's, so it's, this it's, is it's a of, positive and a negative. It's a little bit of wasted, wasted miles here, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but, uh, but then I'm home for the holidays for the next two weeks and, of course, uh, uh, you know, and of course uh, spending some time with the family. Which Sounds is good. Nice. Well, safe travels, my friend. Thank you very much. Well, that is it. Uh, For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose signing off. And remember, if you'd like your question answered on the show, please do tag us at Twitter, hashtag thisoldmarketing, or send an email if you still use email, thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. And this was episode number five. We hope you look forward to these over the course of the next year. And both Joe and I are hoping you and your family have a wonderful holiday, wonderful and safe holiday. And remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next time on PNR. Thank you.